Are you stuck in the same old routine at work? Do you find yourself hitting a creative wall, unable to see beyond your current perspective? It's time to break free and unlock the power of fresh perspectives. So we're back with Boyd Watkins, part two. If you missed part one, go back and listen to it. It's great. So, Boyd, you've got some interesting views on on what's going on in the world. And, I, you know, a couple of times when I've been visiting you, <clears throat> excuse me, you referred to uh, people as aliens because they did things that just sort of didn't make sense of you. How, mm-hmm. how do you make sense, if it's even possible, of what's going on in the world today, or even more locally, what's going on in the United States. And and feel free to be just a titch controversial if you wish. Well, I, I have the illusion that I that I understand what's going on in the world. <laughs> I understand because I understand the nature of humans right now. You know, I I have a I kind of grokked who humans or humanity is. Um, yeah, just a second. So using terms people may not understand, grok is a term that was used in, in a, a book no. called Stranger in a Strange Land written by exactly. Richard Heinlein. There's yes. the background. Carry yes. on. Sorry. You know, I used to use, I read some sci-fi, but grok said you really in it. You really get it. Deep understanding. But let me just say, um, I, I was going to get there more. <sighs> Oh, how people, how, what's going on in the world? Oh, I know what it was, how I got this alien idea. Uh, my bike, my, I told you I have this dysfunctional bike group, but I decided I'd make it a men's group and we talk and do kind of high level men's dialogue. And I was pushing for different kinds of, uh, you know, pushing the guys to kind of up the level of the conversation. Okay, we do these drug induced adventures and so on, but. Let's sit down and talk and advance our thinking about some topics. And I got some pushback and so on. And uh, I'm in this group and my twin brother's there. And he and another guy, a lawyer, they kind of were resisting what I was trying to do with the group. And, And one day I got really frustrated and I said, Jesus, my brother, he's like my he's like the my clone, but he's a goddamn alien. That is to say, he's Real different than me. And I said, then I said, wait a minute. If my cloned twin brother is an alien, who the hell is everybody else? And I said, oh, my God, it's just aliens. And that's kind of where I got the alien thing, because there was enough difference from my clone in myself, you know, from looking at things and how we are. Well, I said, you know. We don't get how different we are as individuals. So, so now I'm in a world of aliens. And, of course, E.T. was a nice alien. So aliens wasn't, like, bad. It was just a lot of E.T.s or really <laughs> different people, right? So that was one kind of grok I got about people, right, which was helpful in terms of relationships and so on, and particularly my most recent wife who's an alien but she's the most precious alien you can think about but she's an alien and i just be with her as she is rather than try to fix her like i used to do a lot between my first wife and my second wife okay so anyway the alien thing was helpful personally to me and giving me comfort in in the world with people the way they were But at that time, I wasn't looking at the world turning to crap as it is now. I wasn't looking to this divisive factor between 
Americans. I mean, you had countries that were alien, you had, you had communists, blah, 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 and all that, but we didn't have the concept of Americans being so divided as we do today. And, and of course, you try to look outside of our own divisiveness or our own dysfunction. I mean, our Congress, which is now like a, uh, a circus, if you will, you try to look out there, well, where is this not going on? Where are people not being really dysfunctional? And you go, people are dysfunctional collectively. So then I thought I was being frustrated by hearing things from tea baggers, uh, tea, tea, tea party people who used to call it tea baggers, and people coming saying outrageous things, you know, just what are they thinking? And I was being upset about hearing these outrageous positions that people would take on various matters. And, uh, and, and then it occurred to me that, well, I guess I did some reading as well. Some social psychologists were explaining how they would model people. One guy particularly wrote a book called The Righteous Mind. Um, and it kind of characterized people as a kind of how they think and how their database is something they, they inherit, but then they can't get away from it. It's just like limits their ability to see anything else. So kind of looking at the fundamental dysfunction or mis dysfunction that people do or have. And so I, I concluded at that point, no, I did a thing called, I said, I did an acceptance thing. Oh, so you're telling me humans are just very dysfunctional. And I went, oh, I'm really disappointed that I always I wanted people to be loving and you know good good at heart and doing and, and, and accelerating or, or or achieving or advancing. You know, I, I used to read sci-fi books about advanced cultures and civilization. I wanted people to just keep getting better and better. And I said, oh, but they're so dysfunctional. It explains what's going on. That's why I now think I understand stuff. But it is a little disappointing or very disappointing. But it kept me from being outraged every time someone would say stupid stuff. I'd say, oh, well, they're just human. So and I got to where I said, <laughs> okay, so I understand it all. It's just humans. Um, that's the good news is I get it. The bad news is I'm not sure much how much hope we have or I hope for us going where I'd like us to go. <laughs> so I, I guess I have maybe two questions around this. And one is, so how do you, how do you navigate the world with that recognition? And what, if any, is what, and truly, if any, it's a responsibility to do something about it because kind of yeah. like, yeah, this is the way it is and it's not working really well. Yeah. Is there anything I can do about it? Or do I just, you know, just just accept that that's the way it is? And yes. I'm not looking for a right or wrong answer about that. I'm just curious. No, I'm real clear about it. So I had, like many people, I, was, I felt I was advantaged, even being black in America. I was a very advanced person. I was, and so I'm supposed to make a difference in the world. And so I had this thing about making a difference. So NRL was also about making a difference. Mm -hmm. And um, let me just add one, one thing. I want to say. So, so um, 
And, and I did. I, used, uh, I I took on some roles when I left my uh, engineering career. I took on some nonprofit jobs, helping minority businesses get more access to major companies and so on, and working in that area. And uh, also doing some work in the affirmative action area with people, sort of consulting. And again, running up against dysfunctionality, both with individuals and then the concept of organizations, you know, being dysfunctional as well, just looking at all of that. Um, and so I, I kind of was wanting to make a difference in that. Uh, oh, I, I was working with minority firms and realizing that's a tough one because minority firms have the disadvantage of being minorities and their minority point of view, which is limiting to them. And then I mean, corporate America is discriminating against them. They got a double whammy. That's not going to be. I worked there, but it wasn't fun. It wasn't much progress. I said, I better go work with white people or corporate America and work in that area and see if I can make a difference in corporations where you might have a chance because these are advantaged environments. So Interrail was focused on working with corporations and organizations but with the hope that you could get some, you could see some progress among people. And so that's where Interrail, my efforts with Interrail were. Um, had some successes as far as seeing what you could do around changing minds with experiential interventions. And so that was encouraging and Interrail, and, and using devices like Interrail developed. So my mission was to change, uh, uh, educate people in corporate America or organizations uh, uh, so that organizations work more effectively using experiential techniques, if you will, and devices. And being an engineer and a mechanic, I would think, I was thinking of this magical physical environment, which would have people wake up and see the, you know, see the light, so to speak. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I did some work with just people, you know, outside of corporations like these workshops, uh, kind of um, reach social workshops for people to see if I could, with experiential activities, have them kind of think, whoa, this is neat to be like this. Why don't we find a group of people we could have this activity, or this kind of experience, and start fixing the world, doing this kind of stuff. You know, just seeing if you could addict people to changing the world or fixing the world but having fun rather than suffering it. Like, how can you make fixing the world fun? You know, it was a question I had, along with my other insanities. <laughs> and then not that it can't be fun, I think, because I had a lot of fun, but it was a question I was asking. How do you get people to have fun, you know, working collectively to take on making things better? So... So, Boyd, you talked about the polarization, you know, and it's not it's in the United States, it's cultural polarization, it's polarization everywhere. And social media is not the place for getting people to to build understanding. In fact, it reinforces that polarization. So, you know, what how do you how do you survive or how do you thrive in a while this in a world that's increasingly polarized? How do you how do you deal with that or do you or is it just accepting that? They're both aliens and I can't do anything about it. A little of both. Um, essentially, oh, I say, look, um, if you see a situation which you really don't like, and, and every time you see it, you get upset, you get mad, 
But if you realize that that's how things are, it's not just some little accident, but it's how things are, and you get upset every time you see it, that's kind of dumb. So part for me was to say, I think I have to accept that people are dysfunctional. That's a disappointment. But I'm not going to get upset every time it shows up. I'm going to, I can be with it. In fact, it's, it's, it's surrendering to what is rather than fighting what is gave me peace in my life. It gave, made it easier for me. And I've spent a lot less time being angry. I can hear some really dumb stuff out there and not get really angry. So I'm going to, I'm going to push on this and you, <laughs> and you may not like me anymore, but that, no, but that's, ahead. or any less, but um, you know, that, that kind of feels like just giving up. Uh, yeah, of course it does. And what the reason I, I am comfortable doing that now is that I spent a lot of effort with NRL and prior to NRL trying to make a difference or making a difference in the world and maybe made a little difference. But I did my bit to try to fix the world, if you will, or fix things, right? I, I did my time in the, in the trenches. So I have... I've done my bit, and right now in my life at 86, I can kind of kick back and go, well, okay. And by the way, I have a role model that I kind of got somewhere along the process of doing all this new agey education and all that, and it was the Indian guru in India, very dysfunctional country, um, uh, as Tim, uh, uh, our, uh, Trump would say, a, a shithole country. <laughs> pardon the English, uh, French rather, uh, and the guru can sit on a pile of doo-doo-doo-doo in this terrible environment and seeing the suffering of humanity and so on and, and be in a bliss state. They can sit there in a bliss state. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, I'd like to be able to hang on to a bliss state and actually see what's going on, not have to run from it or be blinded. Be informed, but not wrenched away by it. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like I'm, I'm pretty good at that right now. But one of the things that was helpful is in my, uh, when I met, met a woman to marry, another light-skinned black woman, she was a Unitarian. I was an Episcopal. By the way, Episcopalian is, is not, that's not so deathly or not so, you can escape Episcopalianism much easier than you can Catholic, Catholic, Catholic what, I can't even say the word. Catholicism, Catholicism. this is Catholicism. what I'm here to help you. with the words, right. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> that's harder to get out of than various, you know, or Seventh-day Adventism or whatever. So having this benign, real boring religion, and then going to UC Berkeley to get my education as an engineer, they made me take some non-technical courses. And I took a course called the King James Version of the Bible as Literature. Hmm. We studied this fantastically interesting piece of literature made by many, many um, religious scribes, if you will. But no word of God that I could find, but a lot of fascinating religious <laughs> scribing, if you will. And so you, you ended up, oh, the, you know, this Bible is got, doesn't have to do with God's word. It's this man-made thing, you know. 
And then marrying a Unitarian where you didn't have to have the super religious church and then she's not wanting to go to church or have our kid go to church. I was able to move away from the shackle of Christianity, if you will. And that was helpful also to kind of, well, to get where I am now, which was except one, okay, two things. People are dysfunctional, but you can love them and they're sweet. Some are, some of them are horrific. But the other thing was that I decided that nobody knew what we were doing here. <laughs> that was that was the key thing where the Pope doesn't know. Nobody knows. So you're stuck kind of figuring out what's going on here on your own. And so somehow in all this personal development stuff, it came to me, you know what? I got to make up my own reality because nobody knows what's going on. And then I thought, well, we all do, except most of us don't want to. It's too scary. Mm. It's really scary if someone said the only person that can give you comfort in knowing what's going on here is you. And so I know what's going on. What's going on for me is I'm making up a reality that that makes me feel good. Well, what's going on is I'm finding a way to enjoy life, knowing that none of us know what the frig we're doing. But I'm making up this reality, and I'm okay with it because I don't see any choice. I can't. There's no one I can go to and, and get an answer. I got to make up my own, and I'm going to make up a good one or a happy one, whatever. And so that's what I do. Well, and it kind of sounds like I'm interpreting that some, the choices you make allow you to be at peace. Absolutely. And, and sort of that notion of being at peace is uh, I'm somewhat envious of that. Being the guru in the bliss. I'm not a guru, but having being able to keep your bliss, which would be peaceful, I suppose, but I use bliss sometimes. Yeah. You have your own answers that, that work for you. Well, it's being at peace and having bliss yeah. is the same thing to me. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So uh, that's kind of, and then, you know, in some of these uh, personal development, uh, transformational programs I've been, I, I would feel for people who are fighting, you know, they're in this thing and this guy's saying, look, you've been brainwashed by society. You need to wake up and take responsibility for your life and kind of realize that, you know, Make some choices, but what you've been doing in the past isn't working too well for you. Um, and I could feel for them wanting some certainty, you know, and the person saying, well, what you're doing now is not working. I can't tell you what to do, but I can tell you, you better start taking some responsibility for it anyway. Kind of a, you know. Well, I, I think there's a big difference between being seeking or, or finding answers and creating your own answers. Things, yeah. that, things that work for you and being your, in a way, your own guru, your own yes. uh, source of, of peace or whatever. That's very but cool. A, a lot easier if you can get there. Yeah. It's kind of scary, but I kind of recommend it. <clears throat> so Boyd, thank you very much for your time. I kind of have a hunch that we're going to have another conversation about <laughs> something else in, in the future, but uh, these two have been, 
certainly great for me, interesting for me and learning new things about you, which is always quite wonderful and discovering what are fresh perspectives for me and hopefully for others as well. So, uh, you know, I wish you much time in your uh, on your pile, <laughs> but be able to be be blissful. And uh, I look forward to the time when I can come and visit you again in San Francisco. And it looks like from that finger up there, you have something else you'd like to say. Well, just in terms of you, you are... Uh, in my interrail career, I wasn't doing it for money so much. I just wanted the money to people do what I wanted to do. One of the blessings or the things that I feel rewarded by in that is that I get to meet and work with people like you who are out there making a difference or contributing society working. So I would never get to meet folks of your caliber to, to, to contribute to uh, society like you do if I hadn't picked this kind of interrail crusade business that I got into. So that's one of the benefits of it. I'm grateful to that. Well, I think we both we both won in, in being able to develop this relationship, which I really appreciate. Okay. Well, like, okay, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you thanks very for, much, uh, Lloyd Watson. Thanks for letting me babble. <laughs> Subscribe now because on Fresh Perspectives, every episode is an opportunity to explore new horizons and redefine what's achievable.